Hey, welcome to the Engage Network Podcast. We're so happy to have you join us today. Why don't we dive into another incredible, life-changing message? We are going to be continuing our uh, series on Colossians this morning. So today we're in Colossians 2. And um, as I was preparing for this, uh, Pastor Jeremy texted me a few weeks ago to ask if I would speak this morning. And I said yes. And as I don't know if you've ever done something like this where you've said yes to something. And then as it gets closer and closer, you regret that yes, like more and more. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to spend some evenings kind of thinking about this, praying about this, and preparing. And so naturally, I spent uh, quite a few hours scrubbing my floor because it's not productive to, like, sit and watch Netflix or something like that. But I can justify, like, not working on a sermon if I'm, like, doing something somewhat productive. So I was like cleaning my floor and then I was like, I should rearrange all the furniture in my bedroom and then I should do this and then I should do that. So if you have some spring cleaning to do, I would recommend saying yes to speaking at church and you will get a lot accomplished because you're procrastinating. Um, I remember I used to do that in school too. So, you know, or just going to school and have to write an essay and then you'll be very productive in other ways. But Okay, so we're going to jump right into it. So we're in Colossians uh, chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verses 6 and 7. And we're just going to camp here for a little bit. So verse 6 says, and this is Paul speaking to the church in, did we decide it was Colossae or Colossae? I don't remember, but we'll go with Colossae. Sure. Uh, And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So this imagery that Paul is using here, he's talking about your roots growing down deep, and he's talking about your being built on Jesus. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, this, like I said, this imagery isn't new. Jesus uh, spoke in parables about uh, this idea of our roots being strong as well. And uh, I was remembering a time, so I, I bought a house in like an older neighborhood. My house was built in 1945. So it comes with like some quirks and some fun things like mice in the uh, fall and you know, thing, normal things like that. Um, but when you buy an old house, you know that there's like some risks associated, like perhaps one time, like I haven't had this, but like, you know, foundations can crack or like it's older, right? But I remember like the, one of the first summers that I lived in my house, um, there was a thunderstorm as there is in the summertime. And I woke up the next morning and across the street, like, and, and it, like my neighborhood has a lot of those really big trees, which is great in the spring because, you know, the, it's all like a canopy of trees over the streets. It's beautiful. Like, I love it. But I woke up the next morning after this storm and one of the trees had like, completely fallen over like this giant tree that had been there longer than I have been alive probably was just completely toppled over and thankfully it just fell like right into the yards of the neighbors it didn't fall like back or forwards onto a house but I was thinking like I didn't know this was something I had to be afraid of too with an old house like what if one of these trees in front of my house next storm just falls right on me and I die like that could happen I don't know um 
But it made me think, like, what causes a tree that seems so mature, that seems like it's been, you know, been doing so well in this storm that doesn't seem, you know, like we, our storms can be, there can be winds and stuff like that, but it doesn't seem like it wasn't a tornado. The tree just, like, completely fell over. But what it was is that the root system had at some point started to rot, and it had some, at some point stopped being like strong and growing and being able to hold up that tree so that when the winds came, you know, when difficulties came, the tree couldn't hold up anymore. It just fell over. And I think that's what Paul's trying to say here in this, in these verses, because, you know, we may all know somebody that at one point was really on fire for God and really serving God. And maybe that was like you at one point or someone in your family or, or a friend. And then they get to a place where, that's just not the case anymore. Whether they've stopped serving God or they've lost that fire, they've lost that grit inside of them. And, you know, you think, how do you get from this point to this point? How do you get from, like, being on fire and, you know, being the person who's going out and telling others about Jesus and doing all that stuff to being somebody who maybe just doesn't even believe anymore? But the thing is, is that that, like, Paul's talking about this here is he's saying, what we have to do to not be that person that falls away, to not get to that place, is to take the time and build that root system. And the thing is, is building the root system isn't that glamorous. Nobody's really seen that part happen. We're seeing the part where the, the leaves go green and beautiful, and uh, maybe there's fruit on the tree or whatever it is. We're not seeing the hard work of building the root system down. But Again, if we're not going to do this work of building the root system and building it in the right place, that's where we're going to run into issues when things start to get difficult and hard times come. Roots do two things in a tree. So I already talked about the stability of like when the wind comes, the root system keeps that tree upright and keeps it doing okay. But also the, the other thing that the root system does is it actually pulls nutrients from the soil. And that's what I mean when I say building or building roots in the right place. Um, if we are building those, that root system into Jesus and getting our nutrients and getting our source from him, then we're going to be okay. But sometimes it's easy to start to kind of pull in from different places and different sources. And again, that's going to just take away the strength that we have in that, that root system. And we're going to kind of go into that a little bit more here. So... I know for me personally, um, I grew up in the Christian world, so I've been going to church since I was a baby, um, Christian school, all that kind of stuff. So I think one of the things that you learn when you are in this Christian world is like how to look like a Christian. So whether or not things are going on in here, you know the things to say and you know the right things to do to basically blend in with everyone else. As I was looking this up, I... Uh, has anyone ever heard the term Christianese before? Um, so basically, it's just like being able to like speak fluent like Christian terminology, again, to make it look like you know what you're doing, even if you don't necessarily. So I have a few uh, I found online that I'm going to translate, that there's translations for. So the Christianese is if you say, that's not my spiritual gift. And the translation is, find somebody else to do it. <laughs> uh, I don't feel led, can't make me. Um, God really helped me with this test. I have students do this all the time. I didn't study, but I guessed good. So I'm giving God the credit in the hope that he helps me again next time. 
Uh, I have a check in my spirit about him. I can't stand that jerk. Uh, some prayer concerns, gossip. And then finally, in conclusion, this one's good for Pastor Jeremy, I'll be done in another hour or so. <laughs> so in conclusion, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, but I just thought of my own life and this whole idea of like being able to talk the talk and being able to make it look like things are okay when things aren't always okay inside. And one of the analogies that I used, actually, I'm a teacher as well, so I was talking to my students a little bit about this concept, is this idea of scaffolding. And we have the ability to, in our day and age, build like big high rises, and I don't really get how it all works, but one of the things that I know is they put scaffolding around these buildings as they're building them up. And the reason is, is so that the workers can access them from outside, have like the stable, I don't know why, but you know what, it works. <laughs> but... Um, I think sometimes we have the scaffolding in our lives. So we have like the strong church and the good Christian friends and the family members who support us. And the reason for all of those supports in our lives is so that we can build a really rich and strong relationship with Jesus. It's that building inside that's being built up. But I think sometimes the scaffolding is really strong around us but we're not doing the work to build up that relationship with Jesus, that building inside. And the thing is, is that scripture doesn't guarantee the scaffolding. It doesn't guarantee that we're always going to have the strong church or the really good friends or the people to support us. And yes, Jesus gives us those good gifts often, but sometimes those things fall away. And if they fall away and we don't have the building on the inside, the strong building, the relationship with Jesus that's supposed to be the center of it all, we're going to be in trouble. So we need to make sure that we're doing the work even when times are good and when it doesn't seem as important because that's when we can actually build that strong building or that strong root system. Um, and how do we do this? How do we build this strong system? Well, let's not overcomplicate it. The gospel is simple. It's that we get relationship with Jesus. So we just need to spend that time and build that relationship with him. So I'm going to move on to Colossians 2, 8 to 10. We're going to work our way all the way to verse 16 this morning, as long as, you know, Lord willing, there's time. Um, so don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So this passage goes a little bit into a different realm here. But Paul is talking to the church, and what he's saying is, is he's addressing some concerns that are happening at that time. So basically, the gospel had been preached to the church in Colossians, Colossae, and um, they had accepted the gospel, and they had started this church. But then other ideas and other ways of thinking were starting to come in and sort of challenge the gospel, challenge what was happening there. And I'm just going to address the two things because I actually think in some ways these ideas seep into our church or our Christian walk sometimes today too, but in different ways. So the first thing was this idea of mystical polytheism. And essentially, this was believing in a bunch of different gods. So 
At this time, the Greek gods were something that people would kind of submit to or believe in or, or whatever it was. And so there was lots of different gods, and what they wanted to do at times was kind of bring that into their Christian walk. So yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, he's my savior. But also, I'm like following Zeus as well or, you know, whatever it is. And I don't know many people in this day and age who follow Zeus or believe in Greek mythology, but I do think that sometimes we can start to dilute the message of the gospel by pulling in from other sources. So we live in a world where we like this idea that like live your own truth and everyone has their own journey. And yes, there is, you know, there is truth in there, but also I think sometimes we get to this place where we aren't able to put Jesus as the source of truth and the source of life. And we want to kind of pull from a few different sources, whether that be other religions, whether that be just like a good thinker or a self-help book or whatever it is. Sometimes we want to just add to what Jesus has done in us. But Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, I am the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So maybe, maybe today you're in a place where you're just ready to accept Jesus as a source of teaching, but you're not ready to put him in that number one spot or say like he is the source and, and give him what he deserves in that place. Or maybe it's just that you've kind of started to like, oh, but I really like this religious teaching or I really like what this person has to say. But the problem is, is again, with that root system, if we're not pulling from Jesus as our source, if we're not putting him in that spot he needs to be in, then we compromise the strength of our roots and we run into challenges there. The other thing I think sometimes that we do with this is like they were doing at that time is we kind of like mix and match our teachings a little bit. And we want Jesus, again, we like some of the things that he has to say and we like some of the things that scripture stands for, but we're not necessarily willing to accept it all and take it all in. But the problem with this, again, is that we're actually like, making our Bible smaller and we're making the power of Jesus not as full and vibrant because we need to take every part of his teaching, every part of what he says and apply that to our lives. And the truth is that that's probably not always going to be easy. Like sometimes what he calls of us is really difficult. But if we're not willing to do the work to take it all, then again, I think we're kind of lessening the power of what Jesus wants to do in our lives. So the second thing that the church in uh, Colossae was doing at that time is they were starting to pull in ideas of uh, thinking from the Old Testament. So this church was primarily made up of Gentiles, which was non-Jews, and so they probably didn't grow up in the way of the Old Testament, which would be sacrificing animals to make yourself right with God and going through those religious practices. But after they accepted Jesus, there was teaching that kind of started to come in and say, okay, well, maybe you should eat a kosher diet, or maybe you should, you know, get circumcised, or maybe you should observe religious holidays. And Paul comes in and he very explicitly says, like, this is not what's required of you. The gospel is what is required of you. Now, I don't know that, again, this is something... I think we do address in our churches, but maybe not in exactly the same way. So maybe it's not that you're like, oh, I'd like to go back to eating a kosher diet to kind of earn my place with God. But maybe what it is is that we're, we start to think, oh, maybe I need to earn 
my salvation. Maybe I need to do this and this and this so that God sees me, so that God loves me, so that he knows me and he, that he'll move in my life if I do this. But again, Paul just is really trying to bring it back to what the gospel says. Um, I'm going to read verse 11 to 14, which goes on to talk about this. So it's almost like Paul is talking about this idea of, okay, this is, these are some of the things you're struggling with. Let me remind you of, of what God's done in you, of what he's promised you. He says in verse 11, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Paul was reminding them the work that Jesus had done. And uh, I mentioned, I think, last week that I go on these service trips sometimes with school. And one of the opportunities that we give students on these trips is to share their testimonies to people there. So whether it be to their fellow classmates or in a different environment, we ask that most of them share their testimony, which can be a little bit of a wild card, letting a kid, you know, stand up and probably how Pastor Jeremy feels right now with me up here. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Um, but what happened was, is, so we were in Mexico, and we were kind of on the beach. The sun was setting, and the plan was to all sort of sit in the sand, and two students were going to share their testimony. And then, like, right before we went, it started, the leader of the trip was like, oh, and Ashley, can you just, like, say a few words and close it up and do that whole thing? And I'm like, sure, I'll think of something. That'll be fine. And so I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, hear what their testimony is saying and kind of tie something together. Hopefully, I don't know, got to think on the fly sometimes. And um, the first student went up and, you know, it was good. And then the second student came up and he started to share. And what he said was that, you know, he had come on this trip and he was really hoping to experience the love of God while he was on this trip and that he hadn't yet. And he also said that he had been in, living in this place where he felt like he had made some mistakes. He had sinned. He had messed up. And he said, I'm living in a place of unforgiveness. And he said, what I've learned is that forgiveness has to be earned and that I have to work for it from God. And he's like, and I'm hoping that's going to happen. And then he like sat down. And I literally was like, I feel like I've been punched in the gut because I'm like, that's not what scripture is saying. That's not the promise over his life. But the thing is, like, he had a heaviness, right? Like, he was downcast. You could just tell that this was weighing so heavily on his heart. And the reason that he was living in this bondage and in these chains of unforgiveness is not because Jesus hadn't freely offered it. It was because he had not, he had misunderstood the gospel and wasn't living in the freedom that Jesus promised. And I think sometimes we do that to ourselves, um, Paul talks about baptism in this passage. So he's saying that um, you were baptized. And what baptism is, is it's this idea. There's kind of three steps. And the first is that you're standing there and it's representing your old life and kind of who you were before Christ came in 
and then you're put into the water. And when you're put into the water, it's the, like, killing of your sinful nature and pulling that away. And then when you come out of the water, you're raised to new life. And I don't think at this church we're going to start practicing baptism where we just kind of put the person in the water and leave them in there. And just like, you know, just stay in there. The water's a good place to be. Like, it's all good in the water, right? Like, we'd be murderers, first of all. We'd be like on a special and probably all arrested because people would die. But sometimes I think spiritually we do this where we... we are risen out of the water and then for some reason we're comfortable and we go and we climb back into the water and in the water is where you feel unforgiven and in the water is where you feel unloved or like unaccepted and like you aren't good enough for God. But again, if we come back to scripture, we see like that is not the case. And that's what Paul is telling the church in this passage is he's saying, no, this work has been done for you. I'm going to read those verses again, but this time I'm going to read them from the message translation. Um, Entering into this fullness is not something you figured out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already insiders, not through some secretive initiative, right? But rather through what Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, the old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. That's good news. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus isn't putting you back in the water, so don't put yourself back in that water. So today, if you feel that unforgiveness or being unloved or feeling unworthy, just know that God is pulling you out of that today. And he's offering you freedom from that. And before I was kind of talking about how sometimes... We take things from the gospel. So it's like Jesus um, gives us the gospel and we're like, oh, we like those parts. We like that bit. But we don't necessarily subscribe to all of it. But sometimes I think we too can add to the gospel message and we can add to what Jesus has done in us. And that's what this would be. Is it saying, oh, well, I have to earn my place with God. I have to earn him. But he, that's, again, the scripture is saying that that's not the case. Uh, Can I have the band come back up? So, again, I just want to go back to this idea that, like, Jesus has to be that source. He has to be where that life is coming from, where the good things and the nutrients and what we're pulling from is coming from. And if you feel like you're in this place today and you're like, I'm that scaffolded building that's maybe got the strong supports around it but there's not a whole lot in the middle I just encourage you 
let's together dig deep and let's build those roots and let's do that together because as we do that work together, we're also as a community gonna grow closer together. We're gonna be bound together because this root system is gonna grow and it's gonna be rich and thriving and alive and then we can support each other through the difficult times, through when the winds come. We are promised new life with Jesus and victory. So the final verse today is verse 15 in Colossians 2, and it says, In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I would just like to say, too, I did get an opportunity to speak with that student and pray for him and explain to him, you know, what God had done for him. But... um, This was a different way to kind of prepare a message because usually it's like a theme or an idea. And so it, as I, the first time I read through like Colossians 2, 6 to 15, I'm like, oh, there's a lot going on here. It's hard to pull it all together. But just as I continued to study, just that idea of like recentering and refocusing and making sure that we're right with God and making sure that that work is happening and those roots are being built just felt like it was there throughout. And like I said, there's a lot of different ways that we can pull from different sources. It could just be like in the first where you're, it's maybe just not there and you're, you've got the, the leaves that are growing, but the roots aren't going down deep. Or maybe it's the second where it's like, oh, well, I'm going to just pull from other sources too, or I'm just going to take this part because I like this part. Or maybe it's this idea of like, I'm just going to climb back into that water because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take little bits away from the fullness that Christ has promised us. And the more he can do it, the more he can pull away at those root system and the bigger chance that he has when the wind comes that it's going to fall. But let's let's fight against that today and let's um let's just take the time to put Christ where he belongs and let him do the work because it's already been done on the cross. We have to accept what he's done. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Engaged Church or continue your relationship with Jesus, head to engagechurch.ca. We'll see you next week.